You can lead this one. All right. I'll just sit back and, I'm just and talk about how boring it is when you talk about facts and data and diseases. I hate when that happens. I don't like numbers and statistics and information. Boo. Blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah. You know that's going on the intro, right? <laughs> You're like, you recognize the, those sound effects. Yep, that's from Melissa. Uh-huh. See, she signed an agreement that I'm fully in charge of, of all the pre-show banter editing. So, so you guys are welcome. Right? <laughs> when you open the door for somebody else Welcome back to the Vaccine Conversation with Melissa and Dr. Bob. And I should keep talking for at least 30 seconds because you're eating a snack. Hello, everybody. <laughs> okay. so you think we could just like not start the podcast for another like minute while we're like, eating Like, why don't we finish snack. eating? I know, but why do that? Why do that? Anyway, so... Welcome back in, you guys. Um, uh, hey, uh, another exciting kind of announcement. I wanted to uh, give a little shout out to people. Um, I was a guest on a couple of podcasts mm-hmm. recently, and um, I'm pulling them up because I want you guys to all go and listen to these two podcasts I went on. Um, listen to the episodes, rate and review them. Please give give those podcasters a review. Tell them how much you liked uh you appreciated them having this topic. So the first one was uh, with um, Allie. Uh, she has a Relatable podcast. It's called Relatable. You'll find it on your podcast app. She was uh, super brave and and courageous to have an episode that talked about SB276 here in California and mandatory vaccines. And she interviewed me for an hour. She didn't edit anything out. Uh, she was uh, very good. And I, I think she supports vaccination, but she completely supports um, everyone's uh, right to choose and make their she's health cords. Cons- she has a conservative podcast. Yeah, she's a right? very so- conservative uh, religious podcast. And for her, it really bothered her that the government was mandating vaccines in this way and was uh, mandating vaccines for already injured children. So that was a big problem for her. So she she had me on the show. It was, it was wonderful. I so- listened to it. You did a great job. It in was fact, excellent. I think you told me I did a great job. I sure did. You don't say very much. You what? don't say very often. I, get, I dish out compliments <laughs> just like grain-free goodies. Yes, I, yes, I do. <laughs> so so listen to uh the relatable podcast with Ali. It was it was probably just a few episodes ago. She said she's gonna have a pro I found mandate. out who it's going to be. Oh, who's it gonna be? It's gonna be Paul Offit. Wow, get out. Yeah, so very interesting. <laughs> oh, that's Too bad he gets to go second. I wanna go second. Mm. Anyway, maybe Ali will <clears> have <throat> me back on as a rebuttal. But but I mean she, and she should have him on. I mean, if she's gonna I mean she's gonna give like or somebody on, if she's gonna give one side. She she should, debate, have she should have a pediatrician who has a full practice, yeah. who is currently with patients, not a pediatrician that has become a lawmaker. Who made a vaccine and made not millions a pediatrician, of yeah, that made a vaccine. vaccine. I, I'm sick of the same people being interviewed. They need to, if you want to make it even, have a pediatrician who has a practice who wants to discuss why they think these things are important or what they have and haven't seen with vaccine injury. Let's make it a playing field, an even playing field. Yeah, so so rate and review that. Uh, you know, give her a shout out and appreciation. And then the other one was, um, uh, let's see where to go. So uh, Dr. Berlin's Informed Pregnancy Podcast. Dr. Berlin's Informed Pregnancy Podcast. You can find that on your app. And uh, 
his his episodes are a little out of order. I think you have to scroll down to like uh, to like an unknown season is where I show up. And what's interesting is my interview with him um, was pre SB two seven six. It actually occurred before we even knew SB two seven six was going to happen. Yet everything I talk about was is still applied. You know, it's almost. It, it didn't detract from the discussion, but what I appreciated, uh, first of all, Dr. Berlin's voice is amazing. He's like, I can't even do it. I'm going to try to do it. He's like, so Dr. Bob, oh my gosh. tell us about vaccines. Oh my God. That is so scary. Yeah. So I, I'm like talking and then he's like, wow, Dr. Bob, that's fascinating. <gasps> I'm just like, I'm like, wow, I want a voice like that. Okay. First of all, that's <laughs> extremely scary. <laughs> and I think all the children that were listening have now covered their ears and signed off. Mommy. <laughs> okay. So that's my version of his voice. So the real version is, uh, is, is much, much, much more interesting. But okay. no, he's, uh, he asked a lot of good questions. He challenged me. He played devil's advocate some, but, um, but go listen. And, and my, one of my kids, uh, my oldest son listened to it and he actually told me, um, to him, that was the first time he had ever seen me or heard me present the entire vaccine argument mm. all in one place nice. in a way that he thought was just so well put together. And, it, you know, Dr. Berlin really. That's the, the why way you told me to listen to it. You're like, you got to <laughs> listen to this. I haven't listened to that one yet. Yeah. 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 So okay. you'll have to tell me what you think about his voice after you listen to it. Anyway, yeah. you guys will listen to that and, and, and give him some good ratings and reviews. But, but like, don't leave our podcast and start listening <laughs> to their podcast because they're not nearly as fun. Do they, both. Do yeah, both. Do both. Anyway. So, yeah. So I just wanted to give those people a shout out because I appreciated them having me on, especially uh, um, Allie. And, well, you know, um, speaking of this de- this devil's advocate, it's kind of funny when somebody will say, oh, well, you need to have somebody on on the other side. What's so funny is like, if you if you have been in this, you understand that we all play devil's advocate for all things because the whole idea is to weigh both sides of everything. So we already get the mainstream view, and then we are dissecting that, finding other information, and we're the ones playing devil's advocate, saying, wait a second, you're saying safe and effective, but this over here says this. Is there a chance that right. maybe something's right. being held? So it's just really funny um, that... You know, people want to assume that, oh, if you state your side, that's just one side of the argument. Really, we are the devil's advocate in this scenario by bringing up the counter argument here. And um, and again, we have these discussions all the time amongst ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, what this is what this says, but I found data that says this, and we go back and forth until we make sure we have a solid argument on something. We're not just throwing one side out there for nothing. We literally do weigh both sides. And then you come to a term with... What is the intention behind each side? And if you have right. two conflicting pieces of information, one of them says vaccines are safe and effective for everyone, and then you have data that shows they are not safe or effective for everyone, you look at, well, these are two conflicting pieces of information, and then you decide who is behind those pieces of information and what they gain by that message. Right. And that's when you kind of go back and forth, and then you continue to research and you you, you bring your, your story to the table. So we do that, and playing... Playing devil's advocate is great. Every complex issue, we should be doing this. We should be bouncing these ideas back and forth to make sure we've covered everything before we're able to come to an opinion. And that's what we do. And that's what it's, that's what you're supposed to do in any complex issue. Yeah. 
So uh, today's topic. <laughs> I'm, like, yeah, cool. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> I got to work on my transition. I know you your segues. <laughs> you need some segues. You should like this. Speaking of interesting things, today's topic is that's you need these like transitionary sentences. So I'll just edit this part so okay. it just goes into that, so yes. people don't even know what that happened. Got it. Um, so um, yeah, so. Uh, well, speaking of segues, um, <laughs> our topic today is... That is not a segue, <laughs> but we'll go with it. Okay. okay. So um, uh, Melissa and I, um, a few years ago, we, we put our heads together on, on a project that we thought was very interesting. And then we kind of, we haven't really put it out there much. We've talked about it some, and uh, um, but we haven't uh, really prom- promoted it very much. But I think it's a very, very critical action step for people in our movement to take because it is is it a it's a direct um action step that i think will directly impact the 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 perception that the medical community has about vaccine injury and the perception that the medical boards in all of our states have about vaccine injury and it's a way that you can actually directly get involved in this and and informing uh the state medical boards about vaccine injury and it's um it's basically it's it's a guide that we put together and I'll just uh, I'll I'll read the title it's it's called um, failure to provide informed consent for vaccination and slash or failure to provide proper care for vaccine reactions how to file a complaint with the medical board okay so let me just simplify this to give everybody kind of the overview of what we're talking about here. This is a step-by-step guide that Dr. Bob's going to go through with you um, right now, a step-by-step guide about how to file a complaint with the medical board about the pediatrician that your child had that did not give you full informed consent before vaccination or did not properly diagnose and treat vaccine reactions that your child sustained after vaccine reactions. We have seen medical board cases going after the doctors who write medical exemptions for the children who have been injured. But what we are suggesting here is this is a counter campaign to keep pediatricians accountable for not providing you with the informed consent you should have had that they should have given you to talk about the risks and the side effects before your child was hurt. And also the fact that you have come to your pediatrician and you have claimed and discussed what you have seen in the injury and they either failed to document it or they failed to take it seriously. They didn't diagnose it. They didn't work on how to protect and prevent further injury and treat this child. And we know a big part of this problem is because doctors and physicians are not trained to witness, to understand, to diagnose, to um, treat vaccine injuries in medical school and to document in medical school. They are not trained how to see it. What does vaccine injury look like? How do you treat it once you see it? How should you document it? And who do you, even though you're supposed to report it to VAERS when that happens, it's not happening because doctors are not even claiming vaccine injury because they're not trained to do so. So the problem we are left with is as parents, we have pediatricians who have not been honest with us and they have not taken care of our children the way they should. And these pediatricians 
need to be held accountable. And so what we need to do as a state and other, uh, other parents need to do this in their states, we need to draw attention to the fact that this is happening and these doctors deserve to go under investigation and under review for medical negligence in the case of these children that are hurt. We have to bring attention to these vaccine injured children and normalize the fact that this is happening. And the way we are going to do that is by bringing attention to the doctors who are ignoring them and dismissing them. And in many cases, kicking them out of their offices completely. Right. And um, a number of years ago, someone in this movement who lives on the East Coast, who who's uh, very well known and very well respected, she filed a report like this, a complaint to her state's medical board. And she pursued the case. She tried to make the case go forward. And the medical board ultimately dismissed the case, finding that the doctor was not at fault for for failing to recognize and, and document the vaccine reaction. And so, so um, this, uh, this mom was very frustrated by that, that all her efforts to try to hold the doctor accountable mm-hmm. didn't come to fruition. But, but and, and the point here is I feel like when, you, when we make these reports, it's very possible that the doctors will not get punished for doing this. Yet medical boards take documentation very seriously and simply failing to write down that you called and that you came back in the next day and your child had a seizure after the vaccine, or just the simple failure to write down these reactions, that is looked at as negligence by the medical board. So th- they, it, there is a chance doctors could get in trouble over this, but that's not really, I mean, the, my goal was to basically, number one, to let the medical board know this is happening. Right. And if they see this is happening by the thousands in every state, they'll see so many reports of these vaccine injuries. They'll say, wait a minute, what's going on? That's number one. Number two, every time a doctor gets a complaint, and I should know, um, I know this very well, you are notified of that complaint. So when a doctor gets gets a complaint that they didn't write down that your child had a seizure the night of a vaccination, and now they're now the medical board is notified, and they might now have to you know go to uh, go to a court over this and defend their actions. They're going to take that seriously, and you're going to bet they're going to write down the seizure next time it happens. Right. They're going to write For down the next, the next child, right? Too. The next, yeah, mm-hmm. the next child that happens there. They're going to start documenting these things. So I think there's a lot of good yeah. that can come from this, and I, I think it's incredibly important. And you might not. It's not about you getting like legal satisfaction or you getting your day in court or you, you know, kind of you know, sticking it to the man or whatever. It's about awareness. It's about raising awareness. And hopefully. And, and change. Instigating and change. change. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I also want you to know um, uh, the statute of limitations on this is very long. In California, you have till your child turns 28 years old to make a report like this. It varies by state. Some states, you can report this uh, up until they, they become an adult at 18, or you can report it 10 years after they become an adult. So if this happened to your child 15 years ago, there's no excuse. You can still file a report. Right. Um, so if, if, if everyone that this has happened to files a report, then I think it can be effective. It's also very critical you don't file frivolous reports. We do not right. want you to just file a report for no reason. You have to really file a serious report that's well-documented that has a good reason for reporting. Otherwise, I mean, there's actually laws against 
filing like you know frivolous you know useless reports uh, on on things that 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 don't make any sense or don't matter. So please your, don't do that. Your supplementary right. documentation. Right. So and that's all what those this things. guide is. Uh-huh. Yeah, this guide really shows you how to do that. So. Um, so you want to go do go the ahead. first one and go back and forth? Well, so, I mean, part one in the guide, and, and will you, will you, you'll probably, we'll probably have to make this guide downloadable from, right. from, uh, we'll put a link. Yeah. We're going to put a link to where you can download this guide. Maybe from IEG? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From IEG and from our Facebook. Well, we'll put the link there, but. So the part one of your complaint, it's very simple. It's, it's basically just you did not give informed, you not you were not given informed consent by your doctor, and you did not give informed consent for vaccination because you weren't properly given all the pros and cons. And where informed consent stems from is we, we give you a link to the United Nations Universal Declaration on Bioethics and Human Rights. It was adopted by uh, by 193 states, including the U.S., and it says. Um, basically, uh, everyone is entitled to inform consent, the potential risks and benefits. Um, if your doctor failed to discuss the full risks of vaccination with you, then they could be, could be uh, negligent in, in that they did not provide informed consent. So it's useful to use a document like the United Nations document as an example of, of what informed consent looks like. But we also give you links to the vaccine product inserts and word for word, we tell you what it says. And there's one vaccine product insert that says that directs doctors inform the parent of the following, the potential risk benefits and risks, the common adverse reactions that have occurred um, and other adverse reactions can occur. And to please call me if you have an adverse reaction Everyone raise your hand if that's ever happened to you in your office. I know none of you have probably gotten informed consent that way. So that's listed in the United Nations and it's listed in the vaccine product inserts. So that's why it's so key. Doctors are, fe- are, are directed by, by federal law and vaccine inserts to, to give this kind of consent and, and, and they don't. So that's kind of the, the first part of, of informed consent. And then, I mean, we even give you... Um, we even give you, uh, you know, other package inserts that that give you uh, uh, even more instructions. Like um, the healthcare provider should inform the parent of the potential for adverse reactions that have been temporarily associated associated with the vaccines. So you know, when you ever look at those big long lists of side effects and vaccines, like all the neurological and cardiac and immuno- immunological reactions, there's just there's like. 20 or 30 or 40, maybe even 100 possible reactions. This one product, product insert says you, doctors should even inform the patients of all those reactions that have been associated with this vaccine, and, and they're not. Um, so, uh, so, I mean, this is an incredibly thorough guide, and, and even it even says you need to ask the patient if they've had any reactions to previous doses of these vaccines. And so if you were not asked that the second time you got a vaccine, there's actually documents in, in those vaccine PIs that say how important that is. Um, I mean, that, I mean, I was surprised, Melissa, when we actually went through and put this together, how many times it says in the product mm-hmm. insert, you, Dr. Smith, need to give this parent, this patient, this informed consent. And they even say in the MMR package insert that patients need to receive, receive a separate informed consent form. They're supposed to read it. And, um, and you're supposed to talk to your doctor. You can't just read this form. You also have to talk to your doctor. 
And, and you're also supposed to ask, ask a patient if they have a history of seizures or brain injury, if they have tuberculosis, if they have any other rea allergic reactions. Before MMR, you're supposed to ask if you have a low platelet count or if you're allergic to eggs. The vaccine manufacturer directs doctors to ask every single patient these questions before they get an MMR vaccine. If you are not asked that, that could be looked at as negligence. And, and, and the vaccine product inserts are very clear on that. Um, we also talk about the, the CDC vaccine information statements and how, right. and, and how the CDC admits they're not even designed to be informed consent. Forms. And we might talk more about that later. But yeah, um, quote, the quote that they say is, yeah. uh, VISs are written to fulfill the information requirements of the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, yeah. not as informed consent forms. However, that is the only form they are required yes. to give you. And oftentimes, like I've mentioned to you and we've talked about, I think, on the podcast once before, you're given that form right before your child gets a vaccine, not the day before yeah. or the visit before. So there is no time to actually read and digest and talk to your spouse and think about and weigh the risk and benefit. Right. You are given that form as in, this is what they require me to do and here are your vaccines. Yeah, yeah. The nurse comes into the room with your tray of vaccines in one hand, the CDC vaccine information sheets in the other hand says, here, mom, read this while I vaccinate your child on the table. And, and that's not only is that not prior informed consent, the CDC even admits those forms are not supposed to be used to fulfill the full informed consent requirements. They're just legal documents because the Vaccine Injury Act told us we had to do it. Exactly. It's just, it's, I mean, it's, is it criminal? I don't know. That's, that would be for the medical board to decide, honestly, if this is negligence or not. And then we even talk about there are three unique circumstances that warrant extra informed consent. And no one knows this until you actually do the research on this like we did. Basically, if you're allergic to eggs, that's a risk for the MMR vaccine and a risk for flu vaccines. If you're an infant born, born prematurely, your infant's at extra risk of apnea spells, and you're supposed to be warned about that. Um, if you have any intestinal problem, intestinal disorders going on, rotavirus is a, is a risky vaccine for your baby. You're supposed to get that extra informed consent before you vaccinate. This is all spelled out very clearly in black and white. No one knows about it. No one pays any attention to it. And that's why this is in all these legal documents. So we show you this in the guide. And I think you can put together a very well thought out, uh, well documented legal uh, uh, report of negligence to the medical board. And to remind everyone, this is not a California based thing. This Correct. is for anyone in any state yes. in the nation. And this guide will help you. Uh, put this together for your child's case in your particular state to your state's medical board. Um, so this is for right. everyone listening. Right. And I want to actually just take one quick step back. I want to tell you how this came about, how we even thought of this. Uh, can I take credit for this yes, idea? Yes, you I absolutely think I can. can. Right, because I, I, I think it was my idea. Um, the reason it was my idea is um, uh, a person in California made a complaint about me to the medical board. Uh, because of my testimony in SB 2109 or AB 2109, 
I talked about a child who who was immune compromised during the hearing because that child was there talking about being immune compromised. The dad reported me to the medical board for talking about his child's immune compromised status in public. Um, the medical board, you know, didn't pursue the case. They threw out the case. They said, yeah, you can't report someone from, for that. Cause that's not, you know, they didn't do anything wrong. So it didn't become a case. What I thought was interesting though, is a, a reporter in San Diego made this a news story and wrote this news story and said, you know, said, you know, this doctor reported me and, and how, you know, you know, he didn't appreciate me saying that. And, and, and the medical board's decision that they, they, they didn't even take it up as a case. But at the bottom of the story, excuse me, the medical board um, PR, like media spokesperson said, but if anybody out there knows uh, of any doctor who is uh, providing negligent care regarding vaccinations, we want to know about it. Please report it to us so we can pursue it. And a light went off in my head I know that the person's probably talking about vaccine exemptions or vaccine, uh, yeah, because uh, this, yeah, this was when exemptions were first starting. They're talking about vaccine exemptions, but I thought, how often have I heard in my office that a doctor was negligent in taking care of vaccine injury? And how many times have I sat in my office with a patient crying and with me almost crying because the, another patient had a seizure in a doctor's office after a vaccine? And the doctor sent them home and said, don't worry about it. It's not a vaccine reaction. And the doctor didn't even write it down in the chart that they had a seizure. And, and then the patient then comes to me and says, this happened. And I look in their chart and it says, the doctor didn't even write down that he had a seizure. How can that right. be possible? I've sat with, with either many hundreds, if not thousands of those stories. So when I saw the San Diego news story, I thought, okay, the medical board wants to hear about negligence and vaccine right. care. Let's tell them about negligence and vaccine care, and that and that's what sparked this. And and then you did a lot of the, I think the, well, you did a lot of the legwork on this on this piece and and investigating this and helping. No, me but write this it is together. definitely but, this yeah. is definitely your project, and you should take yeah, credit so, for it because it's a good. So one. so part two, as as Melissa said, um, part two, I think is a is a bigger reason for complaint and a more compelling reason reason for complaint, and it's basically. Failure to for a doctor providing proper care to you when your child has a reaction, and 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 this is so extensive, um, and it's basically I don't know six or seven parts to this. And it's basically the, I'll read the first part, maybe you do the second one, and but it's, the first part is failure to evaluate your child in person after a severe reaction is reported over the phone. That's where you call your doctor. Your baby's having encephalitis, screaming nonstop for, you know, five, six hours that night. You call your doctor. Your doctor says, that's normal. That's fine. Don't worry about it. And they don't even say, come in tomorrow morning. And they don't say, go to the ER. Right. They just say, don't worry about it. It's a normal reaction. That is negligence because we show you in the, in the product inserts where it says that specific reaction is a problem and, and all the reactions that are a problem. And the doctor tells you it's normal, expected. They don't write it down. So that's your first grounds for uh, for reporting the doctor. Yeah, and then also it, just the failure to document these adverse events is, is a big deal. And one of the things we underline here that is important is regardless of whether or not your doctor or the medical staff personally believe the event was related to vaccination, they should still be documenting this. And I think that, again, the Dustin Barton case really highlights this because... Yeah. 
his mother reported after two-month vaccination yeah. and four-month yeah. vaccination Ugh. to the doctor, to the pediatrician, who did not document because he didn't believe her. He didn't think she knew what she was talking about. And then his third dose at six months caused irreversible brain damage for right. him. And so this idea of whether or not you agree with it is not the point. As a medical professional, it is your job to document what a parent is witnessing in their child after vaccination, period. If you're not doing that, then you're not doing your job. Exactly. And we, that's actually from the American Medical Association's Principles of Medical Ethics, the, the statement you, you just read. The doctor does not even have to think it was a vaccine reaction. It just has to be timely related to vaccine in order to, in order to report it. We show you two package inserts that actually say reporting of all adverse events after vaccines should be encouraged and adverse events should be reported by healthcare providers to VAERS. So again, if your doctor didn't do that, it's right there in the package insert that they, they need to do that. And again, encephalitis is by far the most common reaction that we see and that is not documented, is not reported. And again, if we can fix that, uh, that'll, that'll go a long way. Well, and back to just really quickly, back to the American Medical Association principle of medical ethics, the quote says the physician, quote, need not be certain of or does not need to even believe in a reasonable likelihood of a <laughs> causal, a causal, what do you say that? Causal. causal. I don't know. A causal relationship between uh, treatment and an adverse event in order to be ethically responsible to report it. Yeah, so again, they need not be certain of or does not need to even believe in a reasonable likelihood of a causal relationship between a treatment of an adverse event in order to be ethically responsible to report that event. It's not about vaccines don't cause these things. It doesn't matter if you do or don't think that that is true. What matters is that if a parent has witnessed something, that is a symptom. A symptom, just like anything else, needs to be documented, especially if something happens in the future and you need these medical documents, including a vaccine injury court oh. case. Yeah. In yeah. federal court case, the medical documents are the majority of what they use as their basis of proof. Yeah, so go the, go with the third. The, yeah, so the third one, I have my turn. Uh, so failure to conduct or document a detailed neurological exam after an adverse event. If your child has encephalitis and seizures and your doctor not only doesn't bring you in, but doesn't even conduct a thorough neurological exam, that is complete negligence. That is obvious, gross negligence. So not only do they not bring you in, but if they do bring you into the office and they don't document a detailed neurological exam, that's a problem. Yeah, and do you want do you want to do the next one? Well, yeah, I guess so. Well, the, the yeah, the I mean, the 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 next one is you know it's it's about reporting to VARES. and not only are doctors or patients supposed to report to VARES, we actually found it written in the law that doctors are actually mandated by federal law by the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program or the National, National, uh, National Vaccine Injury Act, they're actually mandated by law to report some of the worst events. And this is actually, uh, we, we show you a link to this so you'll actually get this document. I quote, healthcare providers and manufacturers are required by law to report reactions to vaccines that are listed in the table of reportable events following immunization. It's in the fine print on the first page of that document. And we'll give you a link to that. And it's, it's not all reactions. It's just some of the worst reactions. A lot of the, the, the compensatable reactions. It's actually mandated by law to, to, um, to report it. And if they don't, again, that's, that's more negligence. So, 
there's so many good legal documents that we give you here that, that make your case. If medical boards see cases like this, they're going to flip. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, how can we possibly be allowing this to go on in our state? Because medical boards are consumer protection agencies. They're actually part of the right. consumer protection agency of your state and in most states. So that's their job is to not support doctors. Their job is to protect consumers from, from negligent doctors. And then that's their whole job. And that, then that's what this is about. Why don't you go, uh, go the with next the, one the is one. Uh, failure to inform you about the risk of repeated or worsened adverse reactions following a moderate to severe reaction, meaning your child has had a reaction already. And then once you report that to your doctor, they should be warning you about a possible reaction again with a, a subsequent dose. And having another dose of the same vaccine, oftentimes in these PIs, the product <coughs> inserts or the package inserts, they say, if a child has had a previous reaction to this, this needs to be addressed with their with their doctor and um right and we give you like where it says in, in the product inserts like for the for the dtap vaccine it actually says um and they actually have warnings and precautions and if these things happen to a patient the doctor needs to um to very carefully consider whether or not they should give that vaccine again if you have fever uh, greater or equal than 105 degrees if you collapse um, if you have persistent inconsolable crying for three or more hours, that's the uh, encephalitis. If you have seizures, um, if, if these things happen to you, the doctor's supposed to have that, that discussion with you. And again, uh, every 99% of doctors are probably guilty of failing all five of these steps. Mm -hmm. um, and and it, it, with, with, with so many patients. And so, I feel like it's it's a it's a it's a it puts patients at risk. It's a it's a travesty that, that needs to be corrected. And I think those of you out there that have experienced this can uh, can uh, really make a big difference in this movement by taking this uh, call to action seriously. Um, so we tell you how to examine your child's medical records. We like tell you how to get a copy of your child's medical records, see what was documented, see what was written down, see if your doctor did a neurological exam after your reaction. See, you, you made a phone call, you sent an email, whatever, look to see what's documented, but more importantly, look to see what was left out. You're going to find more things that were left out than you're right. going to find things that are actually documented because that's, that's how you start building your case. You want to find out what brands of vaccines you were given, then you can look at those, those package inserts and see if they were mentioned in our guide so you can use the actual wording of the package insert in your, in your complaint and... Um, and again, you uh, you basically just put together this complaint with your medical records and you you mail it to your medical board. You can submit online, but it might look better and, and be you know be more uh, I don't know, be more interesting to them if it's on paper. They're seeing it, you know, they're holding it in their hands versus looking on a screen. And then again, you know, you you send the package inserts. We give you the the links to the National Vaccine Injury Act. We give you links to VAERS, you know, reporting guidelines, um, and uh, and, you know, again, uh, the, the American Medical Association uh, Code of Medical Ethics, we give you the United Nations Declaration on, on, on Human Rights, uh, the CDCVIS forms. We give you links to everything so that what you send in the medical board isn't just, you know, a parent complaining with a letter. It's, a, it's an intelligent, educated, informed parent setting a, setting a, a, a well-researched complaint. Yes, and this has so much information. It's so detailed and written out for you in a way that 
uh, walks you step by step through it. And um, again, this is only for legitimate and serious complaints. This is not for everyone to do and try to exaggerate a complaint if oh, that yeah, is not. So please don't. Yeah. yeah. This is this is serious. Your child has had a severe or moderate vaccine reaction, and you were not given uh, any type of informed consent. Like for example, in our case, we were told that you know fevers were the only side effect, uh, not aware of all of the other risks. Um, to me, that is absolutely negligence because it is a job of a healthcare practitioner to let the parent know what uh, the the reactions are, so that when something else happens, you don't just normalize it and you pay more attention to it because you've been aware of this, and then that would help you maybe. Uh, delay your next dose of that thing until it's a little bit more comfortable, or maybe you need to opt out based on what the doctor decides after seeing that reaction. The point is we really need to normalize vaccine reactions. Yes. We need to start bringing them to the forefront. This needs to be indisputable again, the way that it always was at the beginning before the narrative became different. And so the way we do that is we're letting everyone know. We're letting our old pediatricians know. We're letting the medical board know. We're letting the public know. We're letting uh, social media know. Every Everything we need to do is let people know that vaccine injury is happening. There are children at risk of these things. It is uh, our right as a parent to have informed consent and to be given all of the information. And it is our right as a parent to be listened to by a doctor and to have this information recorded. Just like any other symptom you come to that doctor with would be recorded for anything other than vaccines. It's mm. not It's not okay that you can record what happened to you after your new antidepressants came in and what it did to you and they record it in your, in your history. But that as soon as you tell them what happened to your child after this, they don't wanna document it. That is not okay. That is inconsistent medical care, and we have to bring attention to this. And so Dr. Bob did a lot of work on this guide to make this uh, something that is easy and accessible and well-documented in research so that you can have um, a very professional and accurate complaint that hopefully will start to see some changes in the way that right. things are done. Right. And, and again, um, there, it's going to take some work for you to put this together. But once you send it to the medical board, you do no more work. Like you're not in charge of pursuing this case. It's completely in their hands. They then look at your complaint, decide whether or not it's legit. And as they're getting hopefully hundreds of other similar complaints um, uh, from other, other people in your state, they'll start to take them seriously. So once they decide it's a, it's a, it's a viable complaint, they will then move forward to that. You don't do anything else. You don't hire a lawyer. It doesn't cost you anything. It's completely out of your hands. No more work. So, so it's just, it's the work of, of you putting together. And I, I would think you would probably feel some satisfaction in, in knowing you kind of went that extra mile for your child and for the cause. And right. you might actually get a little bit of closure because how many of you have actually gone back to your doctor who, who treated you negligently this way and told them how you feel? Probably most of you have not. You've just right. moved on. So they have no idea there was even a vaccine injury. And, and they're not and, and, held accountable for the way that right. they treated or did not treat your child properly. Yeah. So if they have no idea this is happening, you know, we can't blame them for, for being clueless about this. So this is a wonderful, effective way for you to inform them of this, have that closure. You'll probably feel a lot of satisfaction and closure that you finally you did that. You can set it aside, move on, and, and, and you don't have to maybe harbor that anger at that doctor anymore because you've, you've kind of, you know, taken this step. And again, your doctor probably won't get in trouble because 
your doctor is sadly doing what all doctors do. And again, this is not about getting the doctors in trouble. It's about letting them know. So they'll, it'll help protect future kids because now they know what they did wrong. And then the medical boards will know. And this might be one small step in the grand scheme of our fight. And this also comes down to sharing your story again, which is like Mm -hmm. the the recurring theme that we keep talking about, not staying silent. It's not okay that this just happened to your kid and they were negligent and we're just going to just be mad about it and move on to another doctor. People need to be held accountable for their behavior. And just like anything else, unless they're reprimanded for something or aware of something, do people really step up and improve Mm -hmm. behavior? And so this is about cognition. This is about being aware of things. This is about changing, making changes and you having a voice in this process because it's not okay that your children, something happens and you're not able to really, you know, have some type of vindication with, with how things move forward after something like this happens. I mean, we already know you're completely ignored and dismissed in the media and in Mm -hmm. the mainstream public. So it's like, it's time to fight back. You guys, this is a, this is a new era of, of medical freedom movement um, in, in the way that I see things happening. And it is about no more taking it and just complaining about it quietly. It's about uh, understanding what's going on and fighting back and being loud and making changes and not stopping until we do. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you're right. Not stopping until we do. And that's, that's what this conversation is about. So, you're right. Um, that's what this conversation is about. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> Because you just repeated my lines. I'm repeating your line. Come okay, on. I get it. Oh, uh, funny. You're right. Guys. See what, see what I have to deal with <laughs> and what you have to deal with. True. <laughs> anyway, thanks, you guys, for joining us on this kind of a more you know serious uh, topic. But, um, we I think will a have the link one. for the guide. Yes. There'll yeah, be the absolutely. Link. It's on our Facebook page, the, the Immunity Education Group Facebook page. It's the pinned post at the top. You'll see a link there. Uh, and, and then it's on our... Uh, it's on our immunityeducationgroup.org website um, where you can actually uh, look at our podcast um, article there, our podcast posts. We post all the links there as well on our website. So there's two places for you to find this. Again, you know, go to our website. Again, I can maybe give a shout out that we do. Uh, we are a nonprofit website and, and organization, so we do accept donations there. And we would greatly appreciate your support to help us uh, do some really exciting things we want to do later this year, next year. Big we'll announcement t- coming. I know. Up. Well, we'll tell you guys maybe next time. We tell next not time. We'll yet. Not no, yet. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Well, it's a big deal. Right. Well, we have huge plans, you guys. We'd love your support to, to help make those uh, real. And um, anyway, we will. And if if you are forgetting what we're saying on this episode about how to do this, just go back and listen to it again and walk it through. Once you have yeah. that PDF in front of you. Oh yeah, yeah. You just yeah. revisit this and, and read through it again until you get comfortable with what's required. Please don't message me on Facebook with a bunch of questions on this um, because it's really hard for me to get back to everybody. I get uh, so many messages. It's really hard for me to respond to each and every one in a a thorough way. So I would much rather you just listen to this episode again once or twice so that you can get familiar with it. And everything should be in this guide exactly the way that you need. Exactly. All right. Okay. Take care. See you next time. See you next time. Bye.
The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as medical advice. Always consult your healthcare professional for information on vaccines and infectious diseases.